It's Wednesday, March the 16th, 2016, and you're listening to a Stem Seeds podcast with Wesley Fryer, narrowcasting from Sao Paulo, Brazil. And welcome to my first ever podcast from Brazil. I have not been on the South American continent since 1990 when I was in Peru for about two weeks. And it has been a really big treat to be here in Sao Paulo for about three days and to have a chance to work with about 22 different educators, not only from Sao Paulo, but from Brasilia and other parts of Brazil. And we even had an educator from Africa fly over to join us for the two-day STEM Institute that I led at the graded school here in Sao Paulo. I'd like to share just a few reflections from the workshop or the, the institute and also share with you a recorded sort of summative podcast that we did at the end of the day yesterday and published using the free app Opinion on uh, the iPhone. And I want to direct you, first of all, to the website so that if you'd like to access all of the resources, the agenda, the reference links, the videos, photos, all of the stuff from our STEM Institute, you can. And that website is available at camp, C-A-M-P dot stem seeds, S-T-E-M-S-E-E-D-S dot O-R-G. Feels like I'm in a spelling bee. Uh, and probably you are finding this podcast from the STEM Seeds website, which is a collaborative website that I started with Amy Luffaholtz a couple years ago to basically share lesson ideas and STEM resources for teachers who are teaching STEM full-time, as Amy still is and, and I was the past two years, and for teachers who are integrating STEM, interested in STEM, and wanting to uh, utilize more ideas related to science, technology, engineering, and math in their curriculum. So I guess to kick this off, I'm going to actually, I think, be editing this either at the airport in Sao Paulo or on the airplane, and hopefully I'll be publishing this. I haven't really done Wi-Fi a lot on flights, but this is a 10-hour flight, and uh, anyway, I think I may, may get some Wi-Fi, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how the uploads uh, work over over Wi-Fi. But at any rate, um, I think I'll go ahead and start off with the summative evaluation sort of podcast uh, recording. I had everybody as kind of a closure activity at their uh, tables. We had five different tables of uh, participants at our workshop talk about their takeaways, um, some of the most important things that they were going to be utilizing when they return to their classrooms and the things that they found most valuable. Um, I had them submit those as an exit ticket using a Google form, but then also we had a few folks share and uh, go ahead and, and record those. So we'll go ahead and share those now. Hi, today is March 15th, 2016. This is Wes Fryer, and I am in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and I've been with a group of awesome teachers for the last two days doing a STEM Institute for STEM Seeds, and we are just reflecting a little bit on some of the things that we've learned and taken away and some of the things that we're going to apply as we return back to our classrooms and our schools.
Hi, my name is Lucy Nunez, and I was pleased to be able to participate in this um, institute. And I think our group here said that our biggest takeaways is that there's so much and that we really need to let kids explore this. Um, we're also talking about, you know, how to make this possible in terms of time management and, and resources. So training people, having the equipment, um, and building the opportunities into the schedule. This is Danielle Sheridan from EAB. We walk away with lots of efficient ways to make the products of students amplified um, so that we can see best and showcase what they can make and do. Uh, this is Mariana from School of the Nations. I thought this was absolutely interesting and a lot of new ideas are burning up. Um, we need to sit down now with our school and think about the time that it would take to implement that, but I think as a as we discussed, there's a lot of things out there and there's a lot of free things that we can use and we should start right away. Hi, this is Josh and uh, Silvana, my teaching partner and I, we um, teach an engineering class here at Graded School in Sao Paulo and we've been very excited to use these two days to um, kind of decide what the new face of that might look like next year, trying to get our students more hands-on, more early, and more different kinds of technology. And if I was going to translate a little bit of that, you like the format, the way the themes were set up. Did you say it's more than the hands-on? It's more than just like well, a Montessori actually, no, approach? I actually said that it would have been better if we had learned a bit more about the background and why the, the uh, yeah. for instance, some of the bullets or objects that we threw like this uh, didn't get that far yeah, well, and it, learning more about the physics or the physics related principles that caused these effects yes you know would have been, yeah would, no not deeper but just to see why that would be more more interesting and, and how to let's say explain that would be beneficial for us who would like to bring theory and practice together for our students to understand okay awesome great feedback some takeaways from table three green was that we got a conclusion that uh, let the kids solve the problem, let them work, and we can just, if we engage them in an activity that's, that will get them motivated, they'll probably feel like we felt here uh, really engaged in solving these problems with some limited resources or that initially we saw that weren't, weren't going to, you know, maybe we wouldn't be able to accomplish with those. So that was, I think, one of the... Big takeaways of table three, green. Well, there you have it, some of our reflections. If you are interested in seeing what we've learned, you can go to our website, camp.stemseeds.org, and click the link for March 2016. These resources will still be available. All of us can get better. No matter how long we've been teaching, we always can get better. So I appreciate the feedback here and the feedback that you all will share. Uh, STEM is a journey. It's exciting. It's it's in some some sense old territory. Uh, we've been talking about cross-disciplinary, multidisciplinary learning for a long time. We've been having folks invent stuff and create things for a long time. But uh, STEM is a movement that uh, has some energy, and it's exciting to think about ways that we can bring this into the, into your, into our classes. And so I hope that you've gained practical things that you'll be able to apply. And I look forward to continuing to collaborate with you all in the future. Thank you. All right, so 
it was really great to get feedback. And uh, one of the things that my wife, Shelly, had encouraged me to do and I did not do during this workshop was to try and f- actually formally ask somebody to be my process observer and, and give feedback. So this is the third year that I have been sharing STEM workshops like this. Uh, the first year in, I guess, 2014, uh, Amy and I did a two-day workshop uh, out in Yukon in my classroom. And then last summer in June of 2015, we did a three-day workshop in her classroom. Uh, This year, we're hoping and planning to be doing one in June again, but this time it'll be at the Cassidy School, and I'll be getting some information, which is our business school where I'm the director of technology um, in Oklahoma City. And I will be getting uh, those registration details actually put online and made available, and we'll be uh, tweeting that out on the STEM Seeds um, Twitter account as well as posting it on the STEM Seeds website. So I guess the first thing that I would share in terms of a reflection is just the importance of STEM learning opportunities. Uh, it is, it's really amazing and wonderful to have a chance to interact with international educators. Um, I've had a chance since 2007 to travel to, to several different foreign countries to mainland China three times and Hong Kong once and I think I was in Qatar in the Middle East in uh, either 2011 or 2012. And in each of these opportunities, it's just really amazing to see um, the ways that international schools are integrating technology and utilizing technology and the ways that many of them are really on on the cutting edge, on the bleeding edge of innovation when it comes to education. And STEM learning is something that is still very, very innovative and rare in my home state of Oklahoma. And as I have had opportunities to interact with, with international educators, it still is something that is fairly, fairly new and innovative. A lot of international schools, like other independent schools, tend to be um, somewhat traditionally focused in terms of their preparation and, and parental expectations for for a traditional educational program preparing students to go to selective university. Um, many of the international schools that I have been in, included, including graded uh, this week here in Sao Paulo, have very, very robust arts programs. Um, most, if not all, that I've, I've worked in have been international baccalaureate programs or IB programs. Um, and the focus of those is certainly a, a very rigorous, a word I don't love, but uh, it's, it's utilized in this context, a rigorous curriculum, a challenging curriculum, uh, but also one that you know strives to help students be well, well-rounded. And uh, STEM education and design thinking and maker education and those things really you know, haven't been part of our traditional repertoire of curriculum in schools. So it's uh, exciting not only to be on the cutting edge of, of this STEM learning revolution, but it also just kind of emphasizes to me the importance of it and the importance of STEM seeds and you know promoting networking and idea sharing among teachers who are utilizing STEM ideas and teaching STEM lessons. And uh, just, you know, this road that, that I've, I've been on and continue to be on uh, for STEM collaboration. I think the next thing I want to talk about just briefly are the multiple purposes for a STEM institute or as, as we sometimes call them, STEM camps that are professional development learning opportunities for teachers. Um, and I think there's really three broad purposes. The first one is definitely the immediate or the near immediate application and integration of STEM lesson ideas. 
a number of years ago, I heard Marco Torres, who is a California educator and an Apple Distinguished Educator, talk about quick victories. And, and what Marco was talking about are ideas that you can apply right away. You know, you don't have to wait weeks and weeks of, to plan. You don't have to, you know, go get a grant and secure funding or get the whole school to, you know, make a decision to change the bell schedule or, or you know, introduce a new course. It's something you can do right now. And so uh, the engineering design lessons that we've included as part of our STEM Seeds institutes and workshops, um, this particular Institute on day one we did the marshmallow challenge on day two we did a straw tower building challenge um, I think there were seven different challenges that we included on the agenda that you can access those are all things that can be done relatively quickly with a minimum of supplies and equipment not only are they fun they help students develop you know collaboration and relationships and just you know kind of getting to know you it's also great to introduce some of the, the basics of, you know, engineering design and the engineering design process. Um, when we did the engineering, well, when we did the marshmallow challenge on day one, out of our five groups, we actually only had one that successfully completed it. Uh, many others built towers, but as many adults do when they complete the marshmallow challenge, most of the groups waited until the very end to add the marshmallow and, and the, you know, structure that's made out of raw spaghetti is just not very strong held together as it is with duct tape or not duct tape it would, it would be stronger with duct tape it's just masking tape and so they end up you know falling over and the goal is to build the, the tallest tower that you can that holds the marshmallow over the table so you know one of the things that we learn is to think about you know designing with the end in mind and not waiting till the end to put the marshmallow on top and so we we had I think four out of five groups successfully complete the straw tower challenge on day two, and one of the the neatest things for me one of the teachers who participated from Brasilia the capital of Brazil um, actually had you know kind of asked about some of the supplies that I had left over and and I flew over with an entire suitcase full of you know straws and paper clips and binder clips and cups and toilet paper rolls and um, you know, duct tape and packing tape and masking tape and all of the stuff that we had for our supplies, plastic spoons. And so anyway, I ended up giving her most of the extra supplies which we had left. And she was so excited because she has a STEM club that meets after school. And so she was going to do the straw challenge, straw tower challenge with her kids. And then she was also going to do the prosthetic hand uh, building project, which we had done on day two. So that is so awesome. And that's just so cool for a teacher to leave a workshop or an institute like this and immediately be ready to do that with her students. And, you know, I love that. So that would be kind of the first purpose of a STEM institute or a STEM workshop. The second purpose, I think, is the integration of new practices and possibly new schedules. One of the things which I attempted to do in this institute, and, and I'm going to really work hard to do an even better job of it this summer in June when we have our STEM, STEM Seeds camp, is providing time for Maker Studio, time for teachers to explore and to create and build. Um, on day one, we did a little bit of that with um, the Lego We Do and um, what was the other thing that we did? I didn't do green screen that day. I shared green screen on day two. It was Lego We Do, and we did, uh, oh, Makey Makey, that's right. Um, oh, gosh, they had they have 50 Makey Makeys at, uh, at the graded school, and, and the Makey Makey is a really fun and 
encouraging of whimsical creativity and, and computational thinking uh, appliance, as a little circuit board, that Jay Silver and others from the MIT Media Lab have created. It basically makes a programmable controller for any kind of game that uses a keyboard as an input and it allows you to use bananas or play-doh or graphite that you draw you know on a piece of paper with with pencil and draw controllers all kinds of things um and uh it, it you know encourages students and, and others learners of any age to learn about circuits and completing a circuit and and things like that so on day two, we ended up um, talking and showing about VEX robots and then another kind of robot. I actually periscoped Jack Chris, who's the director of technology at Graded School, doing most of that presentation. So I'll include the link to that video, which periscopes are only online for 24 hours, but I have something called Catch, K-A-T-C-H, enabled on my Twitter and Periscope account, and that will grab it and it archives it forever. So I'll include a link to that so you can check that out. Um, but he, he shared about the robotics. I talked a little bit about green screen. Um, and then before that, we had talked about 3D printing and 3D design. And we did provide teachers with some time to play with Tinkercad. And like I had done back in November when we did a play date at our library at Cassidy School focused on 3D design and 3D printing, um, some teachers for the first time, you know, designed in 3D using the Tinkercad website, and we even had a couple that printed their first designs, you know, these little keychains that they had created, which was the first project I 3D printed. So we did include time, but I, I really would love to include more time. And I say this is the second purpose of the STEM Seeds workshops or STEM institutes because, you know, this isn't something that could be done right away, but... We are in the midst of huge transitions, I believe, not only in communication and information access and publishing, but also in education because we are, you know, if it's been for, for some time, we have not been limited by, you know, what the teacher knows and what's in the textbook in terms of what students can learn. Uh, but the internet and the access that we have via digital technologies to each other, um, to each other's lessons, to video content, to all kinds of things, uh, really should challenge us to consider how we've been doing teaching and learning, what we've been having as our, our schedule for school and for our, our daily schedule in the classroom, and think about ways that we might be more effectively providing opportunities for students to learn. And I have certainly found as a STEM teacher, my wife Shelley has definitely found as a third and fourth grade self-contained teacher, that providing a maker studio experience, a chance for students to have open-ended investigation, exploration, and playtime, yes, playtime, with a variety of different tools and software applications and, um, you know, items from, I mean, I, things I didn't bring to, to Brazil that, that I would have loved to bring are like the Dash and Dots, the Osmo, um, I did bring some little bits and they have, they have little bits that graded, but we didn't, we didn't really get to spend time creating with those or building with those. Um, all kinds of things in a, in a maker studio environment that really is open-ended and, and is some, some, somewhat structured with students asking them to create, build, and make, but is really, you know, also, uh, open to their own creativity and their interest and their curiosity. So, 
I think that's kind of a long-term thing. You know, it takes some real, just, just like my wife listened to Aaron Klein back in 2014 at the Miami Device Conference talk about learning spaces and ditching the desks and how she had redefined the learning interactions in her classroom because of some fundamental changes in the types of furniture that were in the room and the number of desks that were available and the ways in which, you know, she used uh, center-based learning and center-based activities versus, you know, direct instruction. That took a while for my wife, Shelly, to really sort of have marinate in her mind and think about and consider and then also for us to to purchase. I mean, on our own nickel, uh, mostly at Ikea, you know, different tables and uh, stools and carpet squares and, and different things that she could have in her classroom for her students to use. I think the same thing is true when it comes to Maker Studio and when it comes to that sort of time. So I think I'm going to use that idea uh, in future STEM institutes and, and camps to you know, challenge teachers to be thinking about it in that kind of way. It, it might not be something they're going to do right away, but I definitely believe it's something that we should challenge ourselves to say, how can we find time to build these kinds of learning experiences into our schedule? Um, one thing is a related aside, and I didn't put this into my little outline here, that we've been talking about at our school is, and, and teachers were talking about during our STEM Institute, is doing, you know, short, maybe four day, seven day, two week seminars or, you know, short courses for students that focus on different topics. One of the teachers in our STEM Institute this week uh, said that at the end of the year, the last four days of the school year, they have invited teachers to put up topics that they'd like to teach for either, I think it's three or four days, and these should be like passion topics, things that they really love, and one of the teachers is going to do 3D printing, but they're not identifying who the teacher is, and they're going to have students sign up for these classes and then it's going to basically be a chance for students to have a deep dive into these topics with teachers and some of them that they're doing at their school are i mean like i think he was saying knitting was one and you know um i don't know somebody was doing geocaching i mean they they, they certainly weren't all related to technology um, but it was just a real uh, it was an opportunity for autonomy and autonomous exploration of of uh not just ideas, but of stuff, you know, things to make, things to create. And so um, our one of our college counselors, Josh Bottomley, had shared with our administrative team at school a few weeks ago that uh, several independent schools in the United States that are in our uh, association of schools that we collaborate with and compete with athletically and in, in other, other categories – uh, like the Kincaid School in Houston, have been doing a seminar opportunity in between semesters for students. And some of those involve travel when teachers and students can, you know, be studying a location or a language and then they're going to take a trip to a particular place. But sometimes those don't involve travel, but they involve, you know, a new investigation. So anyway, I think that is the second um, encouragement. And the third one, I think involves also kind of a long-term encouragement, but it's not just for a schedule change, it's for a curriculum change. Um, one of the good pieces of feedback that I received from our participants this week was, you know, questions about the content, questions about, you know, the degree to which we preload and pre-teach content before doing a project, 
um, how we wrap and weave content into a unit of study that involves a project. Like we, we did a catapult project and we did a, a prosthetic hand project. Um, and those are great questions and important questions. And I, you know, tried to answer those as best I could. I was under different constraints and circumstances as a full-time STEM teacher the last two years. Um, I tended to teach most of my projects in a four-lesson cycle where we would, I would introduce content and, and have students planning and designing in the first two days, and then in the second two days really doing their building, their testing, their iterating, and then their final um, you know, demonstration performance or competitions, as, it, as the case may be, like, like with catapults. Um, so I just actually read a great quotation. I'll see if I can pull it out. I'm, I'm in the midst of reading a fantastic book, The Innovator's Mindset, Empower Learning, Unleash Talent, and Lead a Culture of Creativity by the amazing George Kuros. And one of the things that George just said on page 49 is that the way teachers originally deliver the information at times does not allow for students to interact with the content in meaningful ways. And this resonated with me because that, that's related to this question about how do, how much content or how do we preload content in a STEM lesson or a STEM unit. Um, it's about kids interacting meaningfully with content, with ideas. And while students can certainly fill out worksheets, they can watch videos, um, there's a lot of other ways that students can meaningfully interact with content. And so, anyway, that's, that's a challenge and it's very related. But this third purpose of the STEM Seeds Institute is to think about curriculum. And we've tended to think about curriculum as these sort of, you know, discrete bits of knowledge that students need to be exposed to and then need to be able to you know, kind of regurgitate on command or be able to demonstrate their understanding, their ability to work these problems, to, you know, successfully replicate uh, the activities and the content that's in the textbook. That's That's been a lot of curriculum. Now, that is not true for next generation science standards as we've developed them in the United States. As um, we've we've had, you know, even ooh, this is kind of a dirty word in my state of Oklahoma, but the Common Core standards. I mean, there 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 are some good things in these standards that are that are asking for students to be collaborating, to be uh, creating, to be communicating. Um, things that we've we've had in the ISTE standards, the International Society for Technology and Education standards for both students and teachers for a number of years. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I'm challenged to think about and, and think that our, our STEM Learning Institute hopefully challenged teachers and other educators to think about is how are we going to integrate design? How are we going to think about changing up our technology integration courses? How do we think about digital literacy and the ways in which we are having an explicit curriculum in our schools that integrates you know, many of the skills and the dispositions and the behaviors that, you know, we're working on in a STEM institute, how are we going to see those formalized within our school curricula and, and the, the kind of you know, directives or mandates um, that we that we have as teachers? So anyway, those are, those are some ideas about the purposes of a STEM seeds or STEM institute. The next thing I'd like to, to briefly reflect on are some great conversations that we had uh, really outside the workshop after day one and, you know, in the evening and, and just during breaks and at other times. One of the best ones was a discussion about ethics and how ethics overlays with STEM. Um, this idea of 
engineering that's clever versus engineering that's wise. You know, just because we can do something, should we do something? Um, man, we're really seeing this in biotechnology. Uh, we're going to continue to see this with, you know, genetic engineering. Um, I'm continuing to listen to sporadically a great book by Annie Jacobson called uh, The Pentagon's Brain, A Secret History. An, uh, what is it called? An Uncensored History of DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research uh, Agency. Oh my gosh, uh, you know, there's so many things that have recently been unclassified and there's a lot of things that are still classified that our government and military in the United States has done and is doing and things that scientists have done and are doing. Um, there are a lot of very, very important decisions to be made at a policy level, but also, you know, from a, from a STEM level, from a scientist perspective or a technologist perspective. And so the overlay of ethics with STEM, I think, is really important. And that was just something that was, was hit home for me uh, as a result of some good conversations that we, we had during our institute. The next thing I'd like to talk about are some lesson modifications. And after our, our second day of uh, doing a STEM project, we created a prosthetic hand project, which is a, a really fun project. Totally give the credit up to Amy Leffelholtz, who was my my partner collaborator at uh, in Yukon Public Schools. She's still the fourth and fifth grade STEM teacher at Lakeview Elementary there. And it was her prosthetic hand unit that she handed off and gave me the resources for that I did. And then I shared this week with teachers in Brazil. Um, we did that basically as a single challenge for everyone. So um, I introduced with a really great 60 minutes video about a DARPA um, prosthetic arm project you know this idea of prosthetics and, and why they're important and why they're needed and why we needed you know designs that are not just hooks or you know claws or something that's really not human but something that is hand-like and so everybody was provided with a list of supplies and then they had a chance to decide what they were going to use from our stem store and then they got their supplies and used a uh, model hand that was just a, on a piece of paper. They could cut that out and, and use that on cardboard. And then they designed their hands. Well, the way that I structured that challenge was just saying that everyone needed to design a prosthetic hand that would pick up a plastic cup from the table. I did not, you know, give any other directives beyond that. And, you know, we did have one group that created something a little bit more like a, a set of pincers. Um, and that was fine. I mean, that met the, the challenge, and they were creatively actually using binder clips in order to do that and came up with a very innovative design that I really hadn't, hadn't seen one quite like that before. It was pretty cool. And, and they even uh, utilized their straw tower that they had uh, designed earlier as kind of a, a gauntlet that fit over their arm. And I'll include in the, in the podcast show notes a link to the Flickr set that has pictures from it from our uh, – from our projects this week, and, and I'll also try to include a specific picture for, for, for what they did. I, I took STEM, or not STEM, I took Vine videos, which are six second videos of each of the, um, each of the group's um, designs as they were picking up the cups, and I'll see if I can make a, a listly list. I don't know if you can make a playlist in Vine like you can in YouTube, um, but anyway, you can check those out. And so this was a, pretty much a, a single challenge to everybody. Well, one of the, the, the teachers suggested, and this was great, that we could potentially 
you know, have several different challenges. And, and I was thinking maybe, you know, you could draw those out of a hat. Um, so, you know, some people could come up with a design challenge that was to grasp a pencil. Some people could come up with a challenge that was to, um, you know, lift a cup like we did. Um, but somebody else could come up with a challenge. You know, maybe there was a, something that had a certain weight, like maybe the Play-Doh, uh, <coughs> the Play-Doh container. Um, anyway, those kinds of things would they change the mix, right? They change how strong you had to make it and how much it had to grasp, or the the degree of uh, resistance, or uh, maybe I don't know if it's abrasiveness, but you know the um, the friction that you that you had on each digit. You know how how well would it be able to hold that item? Would it slip out? I mean, all of those things would change. So I really like that idea because then maybe you'd be giving each group a different design challenge, slightly different. It was still going to be a prosthetic hand, but it's going to be modified. So that may, that actually may be a tweak that we do this summer in June in the STEM Seeds camp that we'll be doing um, at Cassidy School in Oklahoma City. Another suggestion for a lesson modification was to maybe have after, you know, each group has has designed and sketched out and then thought about their equipment and their supplies – have one person from each group switch, kind of like um, kind of like a jigsaw. Well, not really, I guess. It's just more like a rotation. So you could count kids, you know, count students off. Maybe you would have two, you know, count count off by numbers, and then have the even numbers, you know, rotate one, two, you know, in clockwise. And then those folks would provide feedback to their new group about the design. Because one of the things we talked about, which was great, I, I did not have the teachers during day two work in pairs. I let them work in their groups of usually four, but sometimes five. I gave them the option if they had a different idea that they wanted to and they wanted to split off into groups of two or three. Pardon me. You know, that was fine. We had plenty of supplies to do that. But most of them chose to stay in their larger groups. And one of the things that they talked about and noticed was, you know, there was there were better ideas and more ideas coming during the brainstorming phase of their engineering design because there were more of them. There weren't just two. And so that was really beneficial. So that dynamic of having more input and kind of more eyes and more brains on the project could possibly even, you know, be enhanced more if before you built the project you had those those students go over as advisors. And so either and, and it could be done different ways. Those advisors could then return to their home groups in order to build, or those advisors could stay and build. I kinda like the idea of the advisors returning to their home group because then you've sort of had a cross pollination of ideas from different groups, but then the same groups that came up with the original ideas, you know, are going to be the ones that are going to build. So I thought that was great. Um, the third little idea that we came up with, and I kind of thought of this, was that if you want to emphasize the communication and the planning and the sketching side of, of, the, um, of, the, of the design process, you know, you could require each group to come up with very detailed instructions and sketches for how to build the prosthetic hand in order to meet the design requirements. And then... Uh, and then you could actually have them have them switch groups, and so sorry about that alarm. If I was taking a nap, that was supposed to make, wake me up. Um, so so that way, the group who originally came up with the design w- would not be the one building it; they would be building somebody else's project. So that would make it very important and incumbent upon each group to clearly articulate and explain their project. You, you could even have them make a video. They could create a short video explaining the design, explaining the, the, the ideas, and then, uh, then a new group of students comes and builds it. 
So that would, of course, depend on how much time you have and, you know, how much, um, you know, what, what your schedule is in terms of, of what, what students can do. But I, I really like that because I think that is going to significantly deepen the thinking, the planning, and, and the ideation which is happening around the project and allow for, you know, cross-pollination of different ideas and also emphasize the communication, definitely. Emphasizing how, you know, yes, engineers need to be able to technically come up with plans and ideas and, and execute and, and do that, but, you know, we also need to, um, need to be able to, um, need to be able to communicate well. Um, a couple other things I just thought of that I didn't write down. Uh, Jack Chris, the, the uh, director of technology at Graded, told us about a, I don't know if it's an app, I think it may just be a website called Tracker that allows you to upload video that you take of any kind of motion. So it could be like a, you know, catapult launching and then it, it does some stuff that helps you, you know, graph and define with mathematical formulas the movement of the objects inside the video that you've taken. There's an app that does this that Vernier makes, but I don't think that's a free app, and I'm not sure if you have to have, like, Vernier sensorware or probeware or something like that for that to work. But I definitely, that's something I'm going to check into more. Um, one of our upper school um, physics teachers who uh, is doing all kinds of amazing things with with STEM and, and has a STEM club that was meeting this past year, um, had talked about something that he had been using that was doing that. So anyway, that that would be a really good modification, uh, certainly for the Catapult project. And then one last thing that, that I've just kind of thought of this afternoon to go along with the idea of content is it would be great to take a picture of each person, each group's Catapult when they're finished, go ahead and match that up with the measurement and, and the way that we did our catapult project is we, we end up launching and we're designing for by the way both distance as well as accuracy and so you could put those those scores those relative scores up and kind of line them up and then you could do an analysis or encourage students to do an analysis of why certain designs seem to perform better at the distance competition or at the accuracy competition. And so that, you know, kind of reflection, but looking at the specific designs and then encouraging students to be analytical and then sharing what they've done, you know, that would, that would be a great way to deepen the learning. Okay. Uh, a couple more things and I'm going to wrap up. Um, Wow, there are some amazing things happening right now at graded school in Sao Paulo with 3D printing. And Jack Chris shared a couple of these. Um, one of the ideas was that, you know, they've got a 3D printer, as many folks do in, uh, in, the, in the school. Um, but this is a great idea that one of their math teachers, uh, I think along with Jack, came up with. They asked students to design unfair dice that would generate... Uh, a certain range of random numbers. So in other words, generate something that you can roll that will give you a result, like between 1 and 10, but then they specifically ask for them to be loaded so they're not equal and equally balanced. So maybe you had a greater chance of getting a 10 than you did, you know, getting a, you know, any other number on this particular dice because it was off balance. Uh, very cool. And I'll, I'll try to include in the show notes a picture of some Ziploc bags filled with these dice that these students had created. I thought that was a really neat math project involving probability and and then also involving design. Another one that's neat that they did with their second graders is um, the, the kids had been learning about tops and spinning tops. 
and the students actually designed their own tops using Tinkercad. Now, they worked with some of their technology staff to do this, but the students had some regular uh, three-dimensional polygons, so some, you know, cubes and uh, rectangular prisms and cones and and pyramids and other kinds of objects, and then they, you know, had kind of imagined what they would like their top to look like and then, then work with an adult or, you know, which older learner, you could work with older students to do this too, to actually design their top in the, the Tinkercad program, which is a free website that you can use. I think the app may cost money, but to use it online is free. And then they printed them. And so then, the, and then the, the kids spun them, and then they, you know, timed them, and then they talked about them, and they talked about their design, and wow, that is just so cool, and that was awesome to be doing with third graders. Um, a last project that Jack shared was done by, uh, I think, a fifth grade teacher, Laura Murray, at graded, and it was a, a latitude longitude project that involved drones. They've got a drone, and as far, as I understood it, what happened was, I think Laura, I think she had provided the kids with with a GPS. And so they, they were given some GPS coordinates and the students had to go to, to that particular latitude, longitude on the school campus. And so they would go where they thought it was. They were divided into groups. And then they would stand and wait. And then they programmed the drone that they had at school to go over that exact location and take a picture. So then the students who had gotten it right were were photographed in kind of a of a, of a drone selfie or ussy, which I guess is not a, a selfie of the drone, but anyway, it's a photograph of the kids. And Laura has some pictures of of the kids taken by the drone, you know, on her on her door. And I didn't have a chance to visit with her to interview about that, but that is so cool and a very innovative and creative way of thinking about you know latitude, longitude, thinking about coordinate grids, thinking about you know students making sense of that in the real world. Um, just very very cool. So, um, I guess the last thing that I'm going to mention is, uh, as I have been, you know, sitting here today, ha having a chance, I, I walked around Sao Paulo and had a chance to explore a little bit and uh, took a bunch of pictures and, um, you know, I've done a lot of reflecting about, um, <laughs> about poverty and affluence, which, you know, is something we can do in winter in Oklahoma too, but... Um, we're, we're right next to a favela, which has about 80,000 folks living in it. That's just, just down the hill from the area where my hotel is and where the school is. And, um, you know, I've, I've been in Latin America before. I lived in Mexico for, for a year. Um, you know, poverty, there's different, different circumstances in which poverty is something that is glaring and, and something that you're looking at. Um, Anyway, I've been thinking about a lot of stuff, and I'm not going to digress and talk a lot in this podcast about that. What I am going to say is that as I've been thinking about the learning that we did in the STEM Institute and what I'd like to do in June, collaborating not only with Amy Leffelholtz, but with my wife, Shelley Fryer, and hopefully with some of our other amazing innovator educators that are, that are working with STEM and, and using STEM integration strategies in Oklahoma – um, I think I'm going to build out modules on our STEM Seeds Institute website so that in addition to having the agenda and resources specific to that STEM Institute or that STEM camp, we'll be able to build out the lessons. And this is really kind of the model that I followed on, on two other websites. If you want to access my STEM curriculum from the past two years, that website continues to be available as a Google site on stem.westfriar.com. 
And you can click in the sidebar on catapults or prosthetic hands or on um, engineering design projects or whatever. And you can see you know, all the resources and photos and links and um, lesson handouts and things like that. Well, on the uh, iPad Media Camp Google site, which I've been using the last three or four years, I think maybe four years, I've been doing iPad Media Camps more than STEM Seeds Camps, but um, I've used the website wiki, W-I-K-I, dot iPadMediaCamp.org, and so I've made a separate, you know, um, page, sort of child page, for each of the iPad Media Camps, and so you can access all the resources from everyone that's that's been done, and, and I kind of, you know, copy and paste and tweak and change each time I do one. Well, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to go ahead and build out modules for for the STEM Institute because what I would love to do, and I think there's a, a chance that I and, and possibly uh, one other person might be able to uh, return with me and maybe teach 40 instead of 20 teachers in the fall um, here at Graded if we have a chance to do another STEM Institute. I'd love to build it with tracks and electives, uh, following a little bit on the model that uh, Lucy, um, who is Tech Savvy Girl on Twitter and is the organizer of the Create, Make, and Learn, awesome STEM Institute that happens uh, near the end of July each summer in Burlington, Vermont. Uh, Lucy's workshop and institute um, has different tracks that teachers can sign up for or educators, lots of librarians are in attendance as well. And so I'd like to build it out in the same sort of way, but then I'd like to have this resource available so that, you know, I mean, some of the things I want to build out, take notes on this, I can find that page, are, um, where's my page I did this on? I wrote this inside George's book, and I'm not finding it. Um, here it is. You know, I'd like a, a module about robotics, about little bits, about Algadoo, uh, which shout out to Glenn Emerson, our middle school computer teacher at Cassidy, who told me about that, and I was able to share that with the teachers uh, here in Brazil. If you're not familiar with Algadoo, it is a free download for Mac or Windows, and I don't think that they, the iPad app is actually free, but it's a physics simulator and lets you simulate all kinds of really cool, cool things with different materials and in different scenarios. Minecraft EDU, Minecraft Pocket Edition, Vex Robots, other robots. There's another kind of DIY open source kind that Jack talked about. Um, make writing, you know, bringing the Maker Studio to into the writing workshop. Uh, green screen videos, engineering design projects, egg drop project, hopscotch coding, uh, coding in general, Lego stop motion, Scratch, Rube Goldberg, uh, Dash and Dot, Osmos, Lego We Do, uh, Tinkercad, um, and 3D printing and design overall. Um, those are all things that would would be great to have as modules. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, hope and anticipate to be doing more of these STEM institutes in the months and years to come. So that's one of the things I've enjoyed doing is being able to build a website and really digitally invest in it and, and share on it, you know, being able to share resources for uh, teachers in other places, you know, being able to document things that I've learned and, and have done and others have done. It's all good. So it is exciting to be on the cutting edge of STEM learning. I am thankful and, and blessed and humbled and doggone it, I should have shared it as a initial shout out, huge shout out to Sylvia Tolisano, uh, who is a fantastic educator that I have been able to, to learn from and um, learn with the past decade because of the wonderful K-12 online conference. And it was this past November, in November of 2015, at the Miami Device Conference hosted by Felix Giacomino that 
Um, Sylvia introduced me to the Director of Professional Development for International Schools here in Latin America, which ended up setting up this week of, well, not week, but, you know, these, these two days of STEM learning here in Sao Paulo, Brazil. So never forget how important relationships and networking are. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how the world works and, and a lot of what makes the world go around. Uh, our friendships and networking and collaboration. So big shout out to Sylvia and a big thank you. So I hope this has been helpful uh, to you. If you are interested in STEM learning, I would encourage you again to visit our STEM Seeds Institute and Camp website, which is at camp.stemseeds.org. I will be posting this hopefully later tonight, either from the Aeropuerto, which I'm speaking Spanish, I can't speak Portuguese yet, um, but the airport here in Sao Paulo, Brazil, or from my American Airlines 10-hour flight back to Dallas, uh, which is, um, I'm, I'm hoping will be on time. I was delayed nine hours, and so got down here a little bit later, but, you know, still still in time. And uh, one of the things I'll say is that I, I tweeted a tweet of sadness. I wasn't trying to be a big whiner, um, but about, you know, departing uh, Dallas nine hours late. And uh, American Airlines actually direct messaged me and said they were so sorry for the mechanical error and they had deposited a $300 travel voucher into my account as a way of saying they're sorry, which I was like, that is awesome. That is like the first time I've ever been financially compensated for a tweet. So anyway, uh, great opportunity to learn down here. Great to collaborate. Remember to keep sharing. Um, and if you can sh save the date, uh, we will have the digital sharing conference at Cassidy School coming up the first Friday and Saturday of November 2016 um, because digital sharing is so important and encouraging teachers to share innovative ideas, share student work, share the stories of learning from our classrooms and from our schools. It's important. It makes a difference. And it provides us with the fuel which we need to hopefully continue to be innovative, to provide good learning opportunities for our students, good professional development opportunities for our teachers, and uh, to just keep on moving forward, as, as they would say in, in one of my favorite movies, Meet the Robinsons. So from Sao Paulo, Brazil, it's Wes Fryer saying adios, hasta luego. Until next time, keep moving forward. STEM Seeds is a teacher-created website periodic podcast webcast, and professional development institute and camp about STEM lesson ideas, links, and connections. The goal of STEM Seeds is to amplify creative and engaging ideas for teaching and supporting STEM, science, technology, engineering and math, education inside and outside the classroom. We support the maker movement and encourage the creation and use of schoolmaker spaces. STEM Seeds was started in 2014 by Amy Loflehals and Wesley Fryer. STEM Seeds supports open education and open educational resources. Follow us on Twitter at STEM Seeds. The content we share is licensed under a CC by license. Check out our archived web shows and podcasts on stemseeds.org. Learn more about our STEM professional development workshops on campstemseeds.org.